It is so great to be here with you this morning. Well, wherever you're at today. Uh, but it is so great to be joining with you. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, from home. And uh, I just want to say, we already miss you. Seriously, like, just looking around this room, it doesn't feel right without you guys here, but seriously, we're also so thankful that we are able to join online together. So please drop a comment in the chat today. We would love it if you were connecting together and everything like that. And then when we are able to be back in person, it is going to be so great to pick up those conversations once again and be able to uh, see each other that way. But today... Uh, if you're joining with us this morning, if you want to follow along with the scriptures, uh, you can head over to the YouVersion app. You're going to go over to the More tab in the bottom right and head over to Events, and you're going to find all of our scriptures today. You can just follow along right there. So we are picking up in our series called Your World Peace. Peace is something we all dream of, hope for, and seek after in our lives. It's something we try to obtain in any way that we possibly can. And yet... It's something that during these times seems increasingly elusive, far-fetched, and for some, nothing more than a faded memory. The pursuit of peace uh, seems to become even more of a distant dream when we see and experience the hostility, anger, and division that runs so rampant through the streets of our communities, nations, and of course, at every scroll through our social media feeds. A study of nearly 20,000 people from 27 different countries that was done in 2018 found that 76% of people found that their country was divided. 59% of people polled said that they felt that the world was more divided than it was 10 years ago. I can only imagine that that has only increased throughout 2020 and into 2021 now with the ever-increasing polarization of every issue, topic, and subject that comes to our attention. Whether it be the political divide, economic disparity, racial division, or idealistic clashes, we are inundated with discord at every turn. It's become pretty clear that, well, anger is all the rage these days. So when the world is in chaos, and we see that those in the church are not immune to it and even contribute to it, where do we turn? Where exactly do we go from here? How do we find peace in a divided world? Let's explore that together today as we open up the Word of God. We're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22. If you want to open your Bibles up to that passage or follow along in the YouVersion app with us today. So let's dive into the Word together. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations." His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. 
In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, if you want to see tension, if you want to see division, look no further than the Jews and the Gentiles in biblical times. Who were the Gentiles? Well, they were otherwise known as heathens, pagans, non-believers, simply anyone who is not Jewish. To put it mildly, the Jewish people had contempt for the Gentiles. Even for a Jewish person to enter the house of a Gentile rendered them unclean. To take it a step further, if a Jewish person was to marry a Gentile, the funeral would actually be then carried out by their own people. To say the relationship between these two groups of people was fractured would be an understatement. If this were to play out today, I'd imagine people would look at it and say it was beyond repair. There is absolutely no way that these two groups can come together on anything. To see them mend the bridge between them would be like saying Toronto Maple Leaf fans and Montreal Canadian fans coming together. You know, it would be like seeing family members at a get-together come to an agreeable conclusion when the topic turns to politics. But you just take those things and you dial it up to 100. Needless to say, it was bad. But notice what happens throughout this passage in Ephesians. There's this one constantly referenced catalyst for the change that comes between these two groups. It, or rather I should say he, is the only thing that could build a bridge across this incredible chasm. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings about reconciliation between people once thought impossible. Between people whose relationship with one another was so fractured, to mend it would be to build back a clay vase that had been ground into dust. And yet, Jesus steps in. I love verses 14 to 16 here where it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. I love that. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. This is actually a beautiful picture that Paul is using here. In the temple during that time, there were different courts, each one a little higher than the last. On the outside and furthest away from the holy place were the Gentiles. Then there was the court of women, the court of the Israelites, the court of the priests, and finally, the holy place itself. In between each of these courts was a literal dividing wall, and at intervals, there were even tablets that essentially announced to them that if a Gentile went any further, they were liable to instant death. This was actually the reason that Paul, the author of this letter, was arrested and eventually put to death because he was wrongly accused of bringing an Ephesian Gentile named Trophimus past the barrier and into the temple. When he uses this imagery of this barrier being destroyed, there were literal implications for the Gentiles. Where they once did not have access to the holy place, now all are brought together, regardless of their background, putting to death any hostility between them, and now coming together as one people reconciled to God with full and unchallenged access to him. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29 echoes this as it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, 
nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. My friends, we are all one in Christ Jesus. And let me be clear, if the lordship of Christ is not greater than any difference or division you have with others, whether it is political, racial, economic, cultural, whatever it may be, then you do not truly understand what it means to be under the lordship of Christ. Because no matter what you do, how much or how little money you have, no matter what the color of your skin is or what your background is, when you become a follower of Jesus, you are one with each other. And let me tell you that God plays no favorites. We all equally belong to Christ as children of God. It's much easier to pursue peace when we see and value each other as the equal brothers and sisters in Christ that we are. Going back to verse 14 in our main passage, it says, For he himself is our peace. Notice that. Where does peace come from in a world so divided with not only enemies against one another, but a world where father, where son is against their father, daughter against their mother, brother against brother, sister against sister? Where does peace come from? He himself is our peace. Jesus Christ, the one and only person to ever, ever perfectly walk this earth, is our peace. Regardless of the barriers that have been put up, regardless of the hatred and the anger and the division, Jesus comes in and smashes through those barriers to bring about a new humanity where we are reconciled to God. And through that reconciled to one another as followers of Christ, he is peace. He not only made peace, but he's the very embodiment of it. Something worth noting when it comes to finding peace in a divided world is the absolutely essential role that a unified church plays in it. When you look at the church today, specifically in the West, many unfortunately don't see it that way. One of the leading theologians of today, N.T. Wright, was asked the question, what would Paul say about the multi-denominational and fractious nature of the modern church? He responded by saying, I think he would hang his head and say, you need to go back to square one and start again. Later adding, not only are we disunited, but we don't care about it. He clarified that he's not saying theological differences aren't important. Believe me, they are hugely important. But if we remain disunited and don't even care, then the principalities and powers are still running the show. Theological differences aren't the only thing we divide over as the church today. We are divided into the left and right political dialogue. We're divided over injustice. We're divided over how things are handled in our nations during this pandemic. We're divided over whether pineapple should belong on pizza. <laughs> All kidding aside, a united church is one that reflects the new humanity brought on by Christ. A divided one is simply one that has joined the fray. It's not meant to be that way. I'm not sure if you can see what I'm holding here, but it's a little Lego piece. And I used to love playing with Lego. I would play with it all day. I would build all of these different creations, these buildings, you know, whatever it was. I would create entire scenes with it. But as you can see here, nobody who has ever played with Lego, has ever taken one piece, looked at it, and was like, wow, that is the most incredible thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> Nobody does that. Like, they begin to take a look at all of the other pieces that they have, or the ones that came with the set that they bought with it. And they start to put one piece after another, after another, after another, together, until it's built the model they've desired to build, or something that they've imagined created up themselves. The problem is, is that many of us in the church today are living as if we are that one piece by itself. 
We're trying to do our own thing. We want to stand out. You know, this is me. I've got my own ideas, my own thoughts, my own desires, my own opinions. And of course, they are always right. Look at what I can accomplish all by myself. I don't need anybody else. But as a church, we're meant to join together. And what happens when we join together? Well, we end up getting added to a bigger picture. To something that we were created to be. Something much better than the small, single piece of Lego could ever do. It contributes, you know, when we start to become something beautiful, you know, we start to become what we were created by God to be. One piece that is special and unique and gifted and needed, but is contributing to the larger, more beautiful, cohesive body that we were created to be together. If you were with us at our impact leadership training, you would know that we discussed ministry and spiritual gifts, how important they were, and it talks exactly about this in Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 8, where it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, Form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. As followers of Christ, as the church, the very bride of Christ, we are meant to be working in unison with one another as a family, as a single unit. And it creates something beautiful. Let me clarify, of course, that unity does not mean uniformity. We may get caught up in the church with only associating with those that look, think, and act like us. And that's not how it was meant to be. The beauty of a church full of diverse members and thought, background, and gifting is that we all come together to paint a masterpiece. And in this case, the AT. AT, thank you, Vaughn, for letting me borrow that today. <laughs> You know, we become what we were meant to be. A place where the walls of hostility are broken down, where even the biggest barriers can be overcome. The incredible thing is that one day, even those who don't think, look, or even hold the same political opinion as you are going to be worshiping the same God in heaven if they recognize Jesus as their Savior. Having the church unified is crucial in a world that constantly puts up barriers between people. May we be the first to bring Jesus into the picture and cause them to come crashing down. In Jesus' infamous sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it makes mention that blessed are the peacemakers. When I take a look at this excerpt from that incredibly powerful passage, what strikes me is the fact that it says peacemaker. Not peacekeeper. Not one who is always at peace. No, he says peacemaker. To be a peacemaker is an action. It is not a sedentary, apathetic position where we take to uphold the status quo, but rather peace is something that we must pursue, chase after, and work for. For many, when they think of peace, they think of the absence of conflict, arguments, or anything that may make them uncomfortable. However, that is not always the case. Because unfortunately, as many have noticed this year, peace is not the default in this world. It is something that requires us to take action for. When there's injustice in the world, we must stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves as we work towards a more peaceful and just world. 
to bring about peace as a believer in Christ is to come to the full realization that with the shattered walls of hostility between us, that with Jesus being our peace and hope that we have something to offer. We have something that transcends the divide and hostility and injustice we see that threatens to break down the peace of this world. To pursue peace, it may require sacrifice and humility. But when a church is unified in their pursuit of peace, they begin to affect change in their circles of influence. What does this look like? Well, for some that may be deciding not to join or add to the constant cycle of anger and rage we see on social media all the time. For all of us, it looks like holding each other accountable as brothers and sisters in Christ to live a life that is reflective of Christ and not one that mirrors the hostility so often seen in this world. It looks like fighting for biblical justice in a world that so desperately needs it and where so many are crying out for it. It looks like pursuing reconciliation with one another. Not choosing to hold on to grudges or bitterness or anger, but genuinely seeking to be reconciled to one another regardless of our differences in political opinion or economic status or social opinions. It looks like having compassion for those who are hurting and feel broken and being there for one another to lift each other up. It looks like sharing the good news and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ to others. The one and only thing that can ultimately bring peace and healing to our communities and our nations and this world. To be a peacemaker takes work, but it's what we're called to do as disciples and followers of Christ. Freedom family, those watching today, what we do in this life as the body of Christ matters. How we reflect Christ both personally and as the body of Christ holds incredible value. When the world sees the church divided and constantly fighting with one another, they don't see the transformative power of Christ at work in our lives, but rather just another group that looks the exact same as everyone else. In any time, but especially times like these, the world needs a church united. A church that values each of its brothers and sisters. One that no matter their differences, upholds Christ as the most prominent priority in their lives. When Jesus is truly at the center of the church and its members, it's hard to live divided from one another. When we move the church from a place of division, hate, and anger to one of unity, love, and reconciliation, we become a beacon of hope in a jaded world. May we live in the knowledge that the walls and barriers of hostility have been shattered between us. Where differences are overlooked for the sake of the kingdom. Where each of us join together as one part of a larger, more beautiful picture. Church, we have the opportunity to transform and bring peace to this world. We not only serve Jesus who made peace on the cross, but who is our peace. May we go out today as peacemakers. May we continue to pursue a unified church. May we continue to bring Jesus hope and light and peace to a divided world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for how you speak to us through your word. And Father, I pray that we continue to dive into your word, we continue to explore that, and we continue to realize what it means to live as a truly united church. May you just illuminate the scriptures for us today, tomorrow, and every day after that as we continue to explore this, as we continue to bridge the divide, as we continue to bridge that gap between each other and this world. And may we bring your hope and your peace into this world. Father, I pray that we don't get caught up in all of this, myself included. It is so easy to, 
it is so easy when there's so much anger and hostility all around us to just join right in. But God, may we be a generation and a community of peacemakers where we don't add to it, but Father, we come forward in unity where we try to bridge the gap between one another, where when we see things that are wrong in this world, that yes, we stand up for them, but we do it to bring peace and we do it to bring your name into the midst of it and your saving power. And Father, I pray that those broken walls of hostility and division are made realized within this church and with this community and with the broader church across this world. Father, may we live as a united church. May we live as peacemakers. And Father, may you bring peace into our homes wherever we're at. May you bring peace into our communities, into our job sites, into wherever we find ourselves. And we, may we become a catalyst for change wherever our spheres of influence are. May your good news be realized in every corner of this globe. Father, we thank you. And again, we give you all the glory and all the honor. Amen.